Hello Rebels, today I show you a city bylaw in Calgary. Now why would you care about that if you're not from Calgary? Well because of course it's about freedom of speech which applies to everyone in the country and really who's going to fight back? Well you know who's going to fight back so that's our podcast today but before I get to it I want to invite you to become a subscriber to our premium content that's called Rebel News Plus. Just go to rebelnews.com, click subscribe, it's eight bucks a month. You get the video version of it plus weekly shows from Sheila Gunn-Reed and David Menzies. All right, here's the podcast. Tonight, Calgary's City Council votes overwhelmingly to ban advertising around schools, but only conservative political advertising. It's October 9th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Look at this story I saw just today. It's from earlier this week, though. Calgary Council votes to restrict advocacy signage near schools. I'll read a bit. Calgary City Council voted Monday to limit groups, such as anti-abortion advocates, from posting their views on public streets near schools. The new bylaw bans all messaging on large signs placed within 150 meters of schools during school hours. It's about 500 feet. So you just can't have any signs. This isn't regulating what's on the schools or in the schools. It's regulating what messages you're allowed to say hundreds of feet away from schools. It's obviously illegal, it's obviously unconstitutional. Obviously, Calgary's left-wing mayor, Nahid Nenshi, and all but three city councillors voted for it. These city councils across Canada are festering little chambers of left-wing activism. Most normal people don't spend their time following such minor matters. It's really like a student's council. So much of it's so petty. But every once in a while, they do something like this, just bizarre, just illegal, and completely beyond their jurisdiction. Sorry, you can't ban people with signs. I know you really want to because you're leftists, but you can't. Here, let me read some more from the story. In the bylaw amendment, advocacy messaging is designed as messaging that publicly expresses an opinion on an issue or cause, officials said in a release. So this is specifically banning political opinions. It doesn't actually ban, say, I don't know, ads for cannabis <laughs> or ads for condoms or ads for R-rated movies or whatever. Those aren't banned from schools, but political opinions are. $1,000 fines, too. Penalties include a $1,000 fine for any person found to be displaying or carrying a sign with advocacy messaging within 150 meters of a boundary of school grounds. I wonder if that applies to people with Che Guevara t-shirts, eh? This was passed after precisely four minutes of debate in the city council. I know because I actually watched it. I was ready to hunker down and watch a back and forth for an hour or two. I actually got myself a coffee and sat down. Uh, I was watch the video that they um, streamed. I mean, it's censorship. It, it's weird. It's specifically telling people they can't express views on public property. Again, this doesn't even apply to the schools themselves, just to 500 feet around them. I myself actually went to high school in Calgary in a school right downtown in the heart of the city. Imagine saying 
that anyone within 500 feet of the school in downtown Calgary now can't have a political opinion. You and what fascist army made? I mean, imagine applying that during an election against lawn signs, just for one of a thousand examples. You and what fascist army? Well, we actually have the answer to that part. Here's Calgary City Police pushing around a group of Christian pastors earlier this year who were feeding the homeless. I'm serious, that's all they were doing. About a dozen very brave cops literally pushing around Christian volunteers who were handing out food in the cold. They said it was an illegal gathering. Remember this? This is not a event. This is not your picnic in a neighborhood for the fun of it. We are providing necessities of life to those that you and your bosses refuse to provide. You got all kinds of events happening right now, and yet the Calgary's finest are not bothering them. This is the hypocrisy of this city. This is the hypocrisy of our wonderful, fearless leaders. Where is Nahat Nenshi, the mayor of this city? That was Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky. We actually crowdfunded a lawyer for him. I don't know if you remember that. And once we lawyered up, the Crown prosecutor was so embarrassed by the police misconduct and this ridiculous ticket that they just dropped the charges against Pastor Pavlovsky. Yeah, but not everyone has a lawyer that we provided to the pastor. I'll come back to that point in a minute. But what's so gross here is that the city council was obsessed with stopping only one point of view. People who are pro-life. I believe that Canadians ought to be able to have all sorts of opinions. Pro-life, pro-choice, Pro-marijuana, anti-marijuana, I mean, those are public discussions, right? Certainly in high school debating clubs, and by the way, there are plenty of 18-year-olds in high school. In Alberta, that's old enough to drink, to buy drugs, to vote, to join the army, to get married, whatever. I mean, it's old enough to see a sign. But leftists at the city council don't want them to hear one point of view. They mentioned one point of view in particular that they want to silence. Here, listen to the one-minute case for banning opinions. Uh, there's not a lot of politicians who actually showed up in this huge, luxurious city hall chambers because they're afraid of the virus or something. I mean, grocery store workers, waiters, whatever, they show up for work, but not dainty, lazy, excuse-making city councillors. Take a look at this. In an attempt to strike a balance between charter, or, or to meet charter freedom, uh, uh, expectations for for free speech but also the freedom to uh, not consume messaging that you don't want to consume uh, this has been developed by administration and is considered uh, very defensible it was as I said uh, there are some challenges with it in terms of um, you know not being able to uh, determine or not being able to differentiate between what you or I might consider uh, a good protest or not, but on the whole, it was considered that this is uh, this is a necessary thing, considering some of the things that are being foisted in front of our school children. There was one city councillor who spoke against it. Jeremy Farkas is his name. I suppose he's the closest thing to a conservative. His argument was, this law will ban student groups, including hard left-wing student groups. I don't know, maybe he was just trying to use the language of the left to appeal to the left, and anyway, he failed. The left isn't about speech. They're about deplatforming their enemies. Take a listen to him. So we, we went into this in, at quite length uh, at committee, and I'm not going to regurgitate that. I'm not in support of this at this time, 
mostly because I think we've swung the pendulum too far against the uh, students themselves. So my concern here is that we're doing something to the students rather than for them. And what I mean by that is that this would actually restrict the uh, advocacy efforts of student-led organizations themselves. Say, for example, if the uh, school principal was not in favor of the programming, the, the kids couldn't do uh, climate action strikes, uh, walkouts for that. They couldn't do, say, congratulations uh, signs for one of their peers uh, coming out. They couldn't do uh, gay-straight alliance activities. Uh, parents themselves couldn't go to the schools to, uh, say, protest uh, funding cuts to the schools. They couldn't do advocacy around, say, uh, uh, concern about the COVID protocols. So there's a number of different unintended consequences here. But most of all, what sealed the deal for me is that the, this bylaw actually won't actually restrict the abortion truck, as we all know it, from circling the schools with the imagery that it has. So uh, and I fully grant that this uh, bylaw is well-intentioned, but I think it's, the pendulum swings far too much to restrict the advocacy and freedom of speech of the students themselves. So I will not be supporting it. Thank you. So that's the great conservative hope. The vote was taken and it went 12 to 3. Uh, the thing is now apparently law and illegal law, of course, but it is a law. The whole debate was over in five minutes. I'm serious. I played most of it for you just in the past moments here. Uh, here's the official backgrounder circulated by the city about the law. Let me quote some of it. Council directed administration to draft a bylaw to restrict advocacy messaging on public streets near schools due to the harmful impact this messaging has on unwilling viewers, including students, their caregivers, and school staff who do not want to be exposed to this messaging while attending school. Oh, the poor teachers. You know, you can't turn the entire city into a safe space where you don't hear any words you don't like. Uh, that's not what real life is like. Um, but there is something underneath this that I do agree with, I'll admit. What about people being captive to propaganda? Apparently there's one guy in Calgary who goes around with his pro-life sign. As you can see in that CTV story, there's a picture of him. And he was specifically mentioned in the debate. Okay, but if you know anything about our schools, government schools mainly, but all schools, including private schools, pretty much every school except for some Christian schools, some home schools, they're all propaganda factories. You see some guy carrying a handmade sign hundreds of feet away from a school. He's, he's just some guy. Uh, you can ignore him. You can talk to him, whatever. He's not actually in the classroom or in the schoolyard. But what about if it's a teacher eight hours a day with your kids, pumping them full of global warming panic and pandemic panic and socialist panic and Green New Deal panic and Black Lives Matter panic. What's the mental health and harm there, let alone just the pure partisan advantage taking of propagandizing someone else's kids for eight hours a day? And that's the thing. The city councilors who were the most eager to ban this one guy with a sign in Calgary, apparently, are the most ardent when it comes to promoting the Greta Thunbergs and David Suzuki's bringing their crap into schools. No notice to parents, let alone a rebuttal. I mean, the whole country just learned how a craven, corrupt couple of brothers called the Kielbergers milked the thing called We Day into a huge Liberal Party Get Rich Quick scheme. I mean, the deal was sort of simple. Schools sent thousands of students to the Liberal Party rallies with liberal heroes like Justin Trudeau and Bill Morneau. The kids were given liberal talking points, told to regard those loser liberals as heroes. The politicians took enormous speaking fees and free trips. 
and the government sent huge grants to these crooks. I mean, if it was your child that was bought and sold here. Now replicate that for every left-wing huckster. Uh, here's the Alberta NDP critic saying that Extinction Rebellion, that's the eco-version of Antifa, should be a part of classroom education in Alberta. So that's all fine. Oh, yeah. That's not holding kids captive and forcing them to ingest politics. But some guy 500 feet away uh, on public property, he has to be banned? Huh. Um, you know, Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster is obsessed with giving children as young as 16 the right to vote. Because, of course, I mean, when you're a child and you don't work, and you don't pay taxes, you don't have any responsibilities, and you don't have a family of your own, and you're shielded from things like crime and war and pain, you vote for the unicorn rainbow pony party, the parties of the left. Only people with jobs and responsibilities and, and taxes vote conservative. But my point is, children are apparently mature enough to vote, and I suppose, I don't know, here both sides of a political campaign, but they can't even have anyone on a city street nearby holding a sign, the poor dears. Yeah, no. You can't square the whole we day, kids can vote at age 16 thing with this. This is from the briefing note. Why does this matter? Advocacy messaging creates a captive audience of often young, psychologically unprepared viewers who become unwilling viewers of the messaging because they cannot avoid being exposed to it. That's what the city is saying about the sign ban. Look at this. This is from the city's briefing note also. Some instances took place on a regular basis, <laughs> once or twice a year. Really? Really? That often, eh? You saw someone once or twice a year on a regular basis. Wow. That sounds like, like it was a really tough experience for you. Are, are you okay? Let me read some more from the city briefing note. Students would sometimes argue with protesters who they saw as disruptive and creating a negative atmosphere. Oh, so the students actually engaged in a debate disputed things they disagreed with, or, or maybe debated amongst themselves, I don't know, on the issues of the day. Gee, it's almost like they're learning how to live in a democracy like grown-ups. You know, it's a Friday afternoon today, before a long weekend as I record this, but I'm pretty sure you know what we're going to do about this sign ban, don't you? Uh, if you can't guess, I'll tell you, we're going to break the law. We're going to go and break the law all around Calgary, because we are Canadians. We don't live in China or Iran. And even though Calgary City Council think, uh, they think our centuries-old right to express our opinions is only worth five minutes of City Council debate time before, it out, before throwing it out, I, I disagree. Um, I'll wait till I tell you the details of our plan. Uh, but whereas the local media cheered this censorship, I mean, Trudeau's CBC was practically erotic about freedoms being squashed. Well, we think a little bit differently over here. We're embarrassed by journalists celebrating the infringement of free expression. This will not stand any more than Calgary's abuse of a pastor feeding the homeless was allowed to stand. Stay with us for more. Well, as you know, our intrepid reporter, Kean Bexty, has been crisscrossing Canada, bringing the news to you. One day he's in Ottawa scrumming at Catherine McKennell. The next day he's in British Columbia going to an eco-extremist blockade. But I want to show you a clip from a video he made from Red Deer, Alberta the other day. 
that was the latest target for Black Lives Matter extremists, the Canadian branch plant grafted onto Canada. Take a look at this. So these folks that you see here are all dressed up. They're here to protest racism. They think Red Deer's a racist town. And we want to know from folks who are actually from here if that's sort of the sense you get. Absolutely not. I don't think it is racist here at all. No. Why, no. Do, you think why do you think they're picking on you guys? I have no idea. I wonder that myself every day. I have no idea. The, the rally over there was saying that the folks here in Red Deer are racist. Uh, and there's a huge racist problem here in Red Deer. Would you agree with that? No, not whatsoever. What, None why, whatsoever. why do you think they're targeting Red Deer? I'd like to know. Yeah. Right. Have a good day. Take, take care. Start telling the truth when you're reporting. We absolutely will. Rebel News. Tens of thousands of dollars, if not $100,000. This is an insane amount of money that the city and the province is spending to deal with these radicals who've come in from cities outside of Red Deer to project their own mental health issues on, on the city, on the town, to claim that the town is racist, that the people in this town are racist, when really that's not, that's not the problem. And I tend to believe the locals, when I speak to them, um, that that's just not an issue that they've dealt with. It is an incredible video. I tell you, you can watch the whole thing on our YouTube channel, which you can find elsewhere on this website. Joining us now from his vehicle, because he's always on the go, is our friend Kean Kean. Great to see another great job. Um, tell me a little bit about your trip to Red Deer and that massive Black Lives Matter. It wasn't a riot, but boy, they came armed for one, didn't they? Yeah, they, they certainly did. They marched through uh, from downtown through residential streets in Red Deer. And I think that that is what signals that things are just uh, just about to get out of hand. Uh, if the police weren't there, and luckily they were, um, they, they were carrying golf clubs. They were carrying spray bottles that had a fluid in them. It wasn't clear what it was. And that's a common tactic that Antifa uses. It, I mean, it could have been hand sanitizer. Um, but Antifa likes to have this clear fluid on them at all times so that they can throw it on you um, so that you have to leave the rally and get acid off your face if that if that is what it is. So they're, they're not the nicest bunch. And strangely enough, the NDP and maybe understandably the most radical parts of the NDP, Janice Irwin, uh, the NDP MLA that has called for Extinction Rebellion to be brought into schools. She was there marching alongside anarcho-communists and folks carrying golf clubs uh, on their signs. Uh, so, I mean, it was a crazy day. I'm glad we had security. Uh, I'm glad I had a cameraman there to capture all of the crazy people there uh, that just decided to invade Red Deer. Yeah. You know, that move of taping a sign to a golf club, uh, you mentioned that to one of Trudeau's RCMP officers who was there, and he didn't really care. Um, I wonder if they would be okay with... Uh baseball bats as sticks for lawn signs or what the heck an ar-15 firearm oh it's just a it's just a handle for a protest sign you can see that there's a double standard when it comes to outdoor gatherings um but it's particularly bad when it comes to the police i mean a gathering social distancing whatever it's all baloney but these antifa thugs had you know it wasn't a wooden stick they had golf clubs. You don't use golf clubs and signs unless you're bringing in some sort of weapon. Yeah, and they were they were a logistically complex organization. The 
not only were they relying on the RCMP funded by the people of Red Deer to protect them, they brought their own personal security. They were all wearing these red uh, felt stickers on them uh, to identify each other. They had earpieces. It's like they went to spy school for a day and thought that they were super special secret agents. I don't know how much the video that we published captured that, but they were really funny uh, to watch because they were very self-important. But the point being is that they were logistically complex. This is an organization that is organized, knows what they're doing, uh, and if they decide to become violent, as I predict they will, uh, as, as has happened, um, Extinction Rebellion, all of these radicals get violent whenever they know they can get away with it. Uh, it will be a bad day for both Red Deer, Alberta, and Canadians across the country. Yeah. Well, I know a little bit about Black Lives Matter, and I know a little bit about Alberta. And one of the things I know is that Alberta, which joined Canada in 1905, was really settled by Europeans in the last few decades of the 1800s. Uh, I mean, the first ranches went up, the cities were really founded in the 1880s. Before that, it was very few Europeans and there were just uh, indigenous groups there. Uh, and I mentioned the date, let's say 1880, because uh, the slave trade was banned in Canada almost 100 years earlier, in 1793, uh, by John Simcoe in Ontario. So there has never ever, historically ever, been a single black slave in Alberta. There just has no, there, there may have been slavery amongst Indian tribes. We know that in British Columbia and other Indian bands, the Mohawks, they had slaves for sure. But there has never been a white man with a black slave in Alberta ever. In fact, Alberta was the destination for many blacks who wanted a freer life. Uh, near where I grew up, there's a school called John Ware School, named after a black cowboy. There were black ranchers, uh, and they were welcome. And they weren't even escaping slavery. This was in the 1880s, early 1900s kind of thing. They just preferred the easygoing Canada because we didn't have the history of the Civil War and all that. So to graft on this Civil War conversation, Black Lives Matter, to Alberta that has never in its history had a black slave, but it, it has had free black cowboys, is such a fiction. It's a cultural appropriation, if I may say. It's faking it. It's faking it. And yet the, the mainstream media is credulous, aren't they? No, they're, I mean, they're all there. All of them were there, uh, shipped in also from out of Red Deer, because I feel like even the journalists in Red Deer are still pretty based. But they had to bring, the CBC had to bring in journalists like Carolyn Dunn from Calgary and other reporters from Edmonton to cover this anti-racist rally and to talk about how evil the counter-protesters were, who were locals, uh, who were upset that these radicals were coming into town, branding them as ra uh, racists, uh, slave owners, like that's what they're doing. That's the message that they come with. Uh, and the media, mainstream media was just there to give uh, a voice and 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 give a megaphone rather to these extremists. That's That was their only job. And I'm glad that we were there to share the other side of the story, to explain exactly how radical these people were because the CBC wasn't talking about the golf clubs. CBC wasn't talking about the anarcho-communist flags that the NDP were marching alongside of. That wasn't that wasn't what they were covering. They were covering a love story of, of how great these anti-racist protesters were. There's a clip of the full video. People can find it, by the way on our YouTube channel, on our website, and at reddeerinvasion.com. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also at that place, they could also pitch in to help uh, cover the cost of the security guards that we had. There's a lot of expenses that went into it and you never know when these people are going to go violent, uh, get violent. So having that security guard there was a huge help for us, uh, making it so that we could get into places that we wouldn't have really been comfortable otherwise. Yeah, I mean, um, the CBC never has to hire a bodyguard at an Antifa rally, at a Black Lives Matter rally, because they're regarded as the house organ. Uh, they, yeah. they have the red carpet rolled out for them. There was this weird scene I watched in your video where this uh, big hulking woman comes up to you, and I mentioned that only because you know, she looked like an Antifa uh, activist. I was worried maybe she was going to get aggressive with you physically. Um, it turns out it was Carolyn Dunn, a CBC reporter. I thought when I saw that video, I thought she was yeah. going to storm up to you and try and muscle you. Um, mm -hmm. No, no, no. She was just really furious with you or whatever. It's no surprise to me that a Trudeau journalist at the CBC is furious with you, Kian. And I congratulate you. Whatever you did to earn her fury, uh, do more of it because that's a sign you're on the right track. Great, yeah, no, I for sure will. Well, listen, thanks for doing that. Um, we were talking to you in Calgary. You've just returned from another adventure in British Columbia, Vancouver Island, Vancouver, Fraser River. I saw you even on a tugboat, which is, um, you know, check that off your bucket list. Did you think yeah. you were gonna be on a tugboat if I would have talked to you a week ago? Give us a bit of a teaser. I want everyone to go to reddeerinvasion.com to see your great video out of Red Deer. But give us a teaser about what you got coming out next week. Well, uh, when we're talking about, we have so many URLs, but after you go to Red Deer Invasion, go to bcblockade.com. You'll see the full story there. Well, part of the story, because we're still working on it. Um, I was embedded. I snuck into an eco-radical blockade. They welcomed me with open arms after I mentioned I was on a first-name basis with Greta Thunberg, which is true. And uh, they, they sat me down and had a great conversation, fireside, uh, walked me to all of the trees that they really enjoyed hugging, uh, showed me their watering hole. It was really nice. I mean, they were really great, polite people. They were kind to me because they thought that I was a CBC stenographer. They thought that I would leave there with a glowing story about how heroic they were. Obviously, that's not the case because they're killing jobs. Um, sure, they. I mean, the, the goal of protecting the environment is a great goal, but the environment is protected in BC. So uh, I went to... Uh, join folks in the actual forestry industry on a tugboat in different places to ask them what those blockades mean to them, how they how they impact the indigenous people that are employed by forestry companies, ma massive employer of indigenous people. Um, and I think it's going to be a great piece and it will all be at btblockade.com. Well, I look forward to that. And um, as much tugboat footage as you can put in, I just there's something about being on a tugboat and uh, I'm joking around, of course, uh, whether it's by car, by plane, by ship. Uh, I think the only method of transportation you haven't used yet is skateboarding. Uh, but we will bring our people the news. And as always, there's security involved because our people, unlike the Carolyn Dunn's of the Trudeau CBC, our people get punched for asking critical questions. And I don't like that, which is why we... I think our fourth largest expense after salaries, legal, and rent is security because I'm just sick of our people being punched by Antifa. And even worse, I'm sick of the cops doing nothing. So uh, keep up the good work and stay, stay safe out there. Thanks so much. All right, there you have it. Kean Bexty back in Calgary after a successful trip to Vancouver. And I would invite you to go right now to reddeerinvasion.com to see his work there. Stay with us. More ahead.
Hey, welcome back. Bruce writes, your monologue tonight, he wrote this yesterday, was hilarious. It reminds me of working for the federal government and all the hot air seminars we had to attend. No wonder people like plain spoken people like President Trump, they can actually understand and remember what he said. You're talking about deliverology and think fluencers. Can you even tell the difference between the parody accounts and the real ones? I, I swear I would trick you every time if I asked you to guess if it was, if it was a parody or real. Am I right? Elizabeth writes, finally got to hear your 8 p.m. show. New subscriber, great show. Love all those new buzzwords. For a moment, I thought I was listening to Saturday Night Live, but no, it was all about Big Brother Justin. Question, if he could only spend $120,000 on foreign aid, why not spend the rest to bring fresh water to our indigenous peoples? And, there, and isn't there a place in far off New Brunswick that needs help with cleaning up some arsenic in their water and soil? Love the show. Thanks. Glad I've joined Rebel Family News. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for the friendly hello. Welcome. Listen, I agree uh, that Trudeau should fix the drinking water. There are some Indian bands in particular communities where the water being poisoned is the result of some failure on the part of the federal government. Uh, we saw that during the last election when people who were mercury poisoned were desperately trying to get help and they even bought tickets to a Trudeau fundraiser, remember that? And he escorted them out and said, thank you for your donation. I don't know why he just doesn't fix that. I mean, he fixes problems all around the world. Uh, he spends money like a drunken sailor on things that don't matter. Why doesn't he do that one thing? Haywood writes, this country is broken. Well, um, I'm legitimately scared of what will happen in the next 10 years. We need more media outlets like yours that report on news that those other than the loud majority want to hear. Well, you know, there are a number of independent journalists. Spencer Fernando, who was on the show the other day, Candace Malcolm and her group at True North. Um, Post Millennial is a website. They, they basically rewrite quick news hits. They don't do a lot of investigations, but, but they're conservative too. Um, you know, there's not a lot more than that. Uh, now, the good news is that we punch above our weight, so to speak. We've got almost 1.4 million YouTube subscribers. So even though we're little, people really come to us because they don't trust the mainstream. But what I'm worried about, and you know this, is I'm worried that the government, or more likely the government outsourcing their censorship to tech companies, that that will shut us down. Trudeau owns or controls 99% of the voices in the media. Between the CBC and all the media bailouts, it's 99%. And you'd think that would be enough, but actually the fact that anyone is a dissident not only sticks in his craw, but it's proof of his scheme. He actually needs to make it 100%. And so I think you're going to see increased pressure on us and the handful of independents in the year ahead. Well, that's the show for today. Have a great long weekend. We've got a special show for you on Monday, Holiday Monday. As you know, we always have shows on holidays. Until then, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom.